I walked home. Little sparks of panic ratcheting up my pace until I was jogging. Brandishing my key, I blustered into my apartment lobby and stopped. Because the door to my apartment was ever so slightly ajar. Did I leave it open in my eagerness to get out? I didn't I didn't think so, but maybe I I guess I, I, I could have left it open. Warily taking a step inside, I raised my voice just as loud as I could manage. Hello? No answer, of course. But something felt wrong. I felt... I didn't didn't feel watched so much as I I felt, um... perceived. A quick sweep confirmed nobody was here. Must have left the door open. That's not so crazy. You know, I'd done stupider things. Um, You know, when when I was... What the fuck was that? What was that? Hello? He was coming from the living room. Pushing through a membrane of don't fucking go in there, I took measured and horrified paces towards the sound. Each step so deeply hindered by common sense that my joints felt metal and rusted. My senses honing, zooming upscaled a hundred times by the tension. Then I noticed another noise. A more familiar one. Ah. Audio hiss. Cassette tape. The cassette was playing again. So I walked into the living room and turned it off. But I had definitely turned that off, right? I knew I'd done that. You know, it's not its not a question. Even more than I knew I'd closed the door. But it was off now. I whirled around. That was not a cassette. Something was here. Dash at the source of the noise. Nothing but my front door yawning wide open. I closed it the second time. I fucking closed it. Musky, stenchy, earthy smell. And just past my doormat, a footprint. A very, very big footprint. Monster crazy! <laughs> Well, well, well. Look who's back. Well, it's me and Cameron. Yep, we're here. We made it. We're at see you in hell again. See you back in hell a second time. For mm-hmm. the second time out of many times, maybe. A few more. Yeah. A few, at least a few, yeah. We, uh, we just got back from a very safe trip to Mount St. Helens, Washington. Uh-huh. Where we were mining. Yeah. And whether that um, something something scary happened, mm, we forgot our lunch. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, that joke will make a lot more sense later when we talk about Mount Saint Helens. Um, but yes, welcome back. Today we're talking about 
the enigmatic, mysterious monkey man. Bigfoot. Big Bigfoot. Yeah, yep, that's right. You guys voted. We get. We gave you. We gave an audience choice episode for this final run. You guys voted Bigfoot. It was kind. Of, it was neck and neck. For those who didn't look or check the vote at all, it was neck and neck between Bigfoot and the monsters of Bloodborne. So, uh, if you're a video games fan, now you can rip your hair out that I told you that. Um, but we end, mm-hmm. we're ending up doing Bigfoot, um, and I think that's pretty. That's pretty fitting for a, a final five run of monsters. I think that's a pretty archetypical monster. I agree. Yeah, he's like a classic monster, but of cryptids. Yes, he's he's the cryptid. I would say him and 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 Loch Ness monster, but he's, he has more swag than the Loch Ness. He's I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, but he's the American cryptid, and we're American. Mm-hmm, we are, and we only cover American monsters. <laughs> yeah, Bigfoot bleeds red, white, and blue, baby. That's, That's right. That's what we're here for. Um, um, go ahead. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we were just talking before this, and it's ha- kind of hard to know where to start um, with something like this, uh, which is a, a cryptid that has been cited probably tens of thousands of times over hundreds of years um, and has yeah. reached in, and infiltrated into almost every single aspect of culture and appears in movies, TV shows, video games, advertisements, uh people's daydreams <laughs> every people's possible, regular dreams every possible way that th- that bigfoot could appear in a piece of media bigfoot has so it's pretty difficult to kind of dive in um so i guess we're do we just have to maybe we maybe we go i have an idea of a good starting yeah. place actually it. I, um it's actually a story that we've covered before i think in unicorns but i don't remember exactly which episode we talked about this in but uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh. We talked about Enkidu, mm-hmm. um, and he was the the wild man made by by the goddess Aruro, Aruru, um, to help King Gil- Gilgamesh reconnect with nature. And I read somewhere that uh, Enkidu is two thirds beast and one third man, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but he's it's it's kind of like the first recorded fictional accounting of like the wild man yeah. as like a as a as a thing and two-thirds beast one-thirds man seems very bigfoot-esque yeah definitely i think i i mean that it, the the or the wild man motif is definitely something and i want to talk about a bunch in this episode but i can think of even i'm gonna one-up you here i can think of an older example of a wild man is it a caveman yeah <laughs> <laughs> cool yeah, I thought about that too. Um, it'd be funny if if Bigfoot was just a caveman. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, yeah, I think I think a good portion of this episode will probably end up being theories and fun ideas about what Bigfoot could be because I think that yeah. really is the cultural legacy of Bigfoot, even more than it is you know being alone in the woods and seeing an ape man crashing through the underbrush. Uh, at a distance from you, what it really is is sitting around in a circle with your friends and being like. What do you think it could be? What it, what's yeah, his totally. deal? Who is he? What what's going on? I I love that his deal is kind of like unknown. Like he's not it seems like Bigfoot very rarely strikes first. He's yeah. kind of like his his motives are mysterious. He's not just like an aggressive mindless thing. He's got he's got layers. Yeah. And he's also like pretty peaceful. Like he do, he doesn't yeah. really 
he might do mischief, but he doesn't really attack so much, and he doesn't really kill or do anything or, that you would imagine a scary forest monster maybe would do. Well, also, even in the stories of him attacking and killing that aren't, like, supposedly true, just, like, straight-up fictional stories, he's almost always uh, attacking or killing in self-defense or as retribution, retribution or territorially. He's, like, never, like... He never punches first. Yeah. 100%. Um, he, yeah, so I guess on the off chance that somehow you have you don't know anything about Bigfoot, um, Bigfoot, also known as Sasquatch, um, also known as a, a huge r- array of other names, uh, is a large ape or human-like bipedal creature. And that's his biggest, that's his biggest trait, I would say, is, the bi- is that he's bipedal. That what that's yeah. what kind of uh, separates him from any number of other because Bigfoot is such a, a phenomenon and there are so many different examples of the wild man or hairy man motif that that is that's kind of the way you have to distinguish him from every single mythical creature ever conceived of is that he walks on two feet um, and he's human another, he, yeah another thing that I think kind of separates him from just like being a monkey or an ape is just he's really big yeah. he's like it, I, the the mo- like the median height that i've seen is like eight feet tall to nine feet tall and yeah. like i've seen like he's he ranges in size based on depiction from like six feet to like 13 feet yeah but like regardless he's huge he's very very big he's bigger than than yeah He's big. And also very strong. Just like in his wake, he like, you know, snaps saplings like they're twigs and like, you know, he's he's big and strong. Yeah. And stinky. Yeah. Uh he 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 definitely has a specific smell to him. He's also he's described, you know, of course as ape-like, so he's got long arms, he's got broad shoulders, he's got kind of probably a pronounced brow ridge. Um he looks like an ape man uh who's mm-hmm. very very big. He's also covered of course in hair. Um, and he has, uh, big feet, if you can imagine mm-hmm. it. Some people say his feet are even as big as two feet in length. Um, wow. Which is pretty big. Uh, that's like my feet. I have, they're two feet. Mine. Yeah. I have two feet too, <laughs> but my <laughs> the regular size, but I've got two feet. <laughs> yeah. Some people also say Bigfoot has glowing eyes, um, or like his eyes shine, uh, in the night, you know? Like like iridescent style or like 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 I think some like of deer both, in the headlights like, or like, like cat I think like cat eye style eye shine. Um, That's all always so much cooler to me to me than just like they're glowing of their own. Yeah, pa- like I I don't want to see Bigfoot with glowing red eyes. I want to see you know you capture his eyes in in your in your high powered flashlight. Yeah. You know what I reflective. read what I read though about this is that eye shine is not it's not known of in any humans or great apes. Like that's not a thing that human or ape eyes do which is pretty Uh. i mean you can take that you can obviously take that as either okay this person was making up a story or that bigfoot is completely something else and different which is pretty cool too that is cool um yeah and bigfoot what i just said big cat big cat (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is i I think what you what you land on is oh this person saw a mountain lion that was Mm -hmm. somehow rearing up or something um, yeah, but they saw a bear. Uh, yeah, so people encounter Bigfoot in the woods. That is his domain. That's his. That's his deal too. That's the the other big part of his deal is that he's in the woods. Maybe he's in a swamp. But even if he's in a mm-hmm. swamp, he's in a swamp in the woods. 
Um, he's a he's a forest creature. He's a forest cryptid. Um, and he's always like just in the tree line. You know, he's like he's he's a watcher from the trees. He's never out in plains. Yeah, he's maybe walking clumsily over a few rocks. And yeah, and he looks over his shoulder, kind yeah, of. That's maybe the mm-hmm. one time I can think of. But <laughs> that's true. Yeah, but or wasn't he? Hit, he was in. Is Willow Creek in the mountains? Is that still in the woods? The place that they they were first. Uh, I don't him. know. I don't know either. Oh, well. Um, we can't know everything about everything. No, we're not geniuses or anything. We're just guys who Mm-mm. look stuff up. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess the other thing, the thing, the, the, the difficult part of, like, doing anything about Bigfoot, I think, is strike, is figuring out the line and the balance and what is going on between... Uh, Bigfoot as the American cultural phenomenon that started in, I believe, the 50s um, versus Sasquatch, the the Native American legend and uh, all the kind of wild men and and hairy men, mythical figures of Native American lore, um, which I think are pretty often, I mean, well, obviously are bound together in the public eye of like, okay, Sasquatch is Bigfoot. Um, yeah, but I don't think that that's necessarily the case. And I think it's kind of hard, uh, especially, you know, there's not so many resources that are easy to come by on, uh, every, you know, to, 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 to really understand what Sasquatch and the idea of the, this shape shifting wanderer in the forest or this big hairy giant, um, and all these different native American cultures of myth. Like there's so many different, uh, groups of people that all have different stories about slightly different, but also similar things that people have decided are all part of Bigfoot, but it's all different stuff. And there's a million of them. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I, but it can, if depending on how you look at it, it could all kind of be the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I see why people have categorized them together. Definitely. I mean, yeah, I guess I, what I'm saying here is just the caveat, especially for this. And I would say for almost any Bigfoot media you consume is that I do think that it is kind of a, like even the stuff that's, that you could, ex- could attach to each other is all kind of weird and disparate and come from a bunch of different cultures and in, in a weird way. And it's hard to really cover everything that's going on um so i feel like we're probably going to focus more on the like uh more modern conception the white people conception of bigfoot um we're definitely talking about some of the other stuff but i don't know that we're going to be able to really dive so deep into it because there is just so much covering literally thousands of years of yeah yeah i do think also with in talking about the the modern west you know westernized white people version i think it stems from white people you know soy facing at at their idea of of a native legend i mean yeah. I, I think that's where a lot of cool white people ideas come from is like ooh, the esoteric native population has yeah. a as a thing and so I, I mean i think they are one in the same we're just talking about the the the, the white guy versioned yeah so, I mean, I guess to talk a little bit before, because I just wanted to throw that in there because I do feel like the majority of this is going to be about um, the Bigfoot that a guy with a, a guy with a beard who lives in Seattle is going to tell you about. 
Um, I do wish, I think the, the way we start maybe with the Bigfoot story or the Sasquatch story, um, is I guess with, uh, the history, uh, some brief stuff about it in, in Native American myth and legend. Um, because I think you can go pretty much all the way forward into the future with Bigfoot with, or into the present with the idea of Bigfoot. And I think you can also go pretty much all the way backward into the past. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think it's such a, it's such an enduring human motif that you can kind of, yeah, like associate anything you want with it. So I do think that that's a nice place to start in terms of history is just like, okay, well here's the, here's really what the here's the keystone that was the, the idea that was so, incredible that everybody put all of their stuff into it um Mm -hmm. forward and backward um and a lot of it too is i think you'll see as we go through some of this stuff that you'll be able to see like the uh, we've definitely talked about this type of person before but the quote-unquote cryptozoologist who's a really uh like eager uh comic book guy type of guy and really wants to turn every single native american drawing and story ever into some explanation of a scientific creature um yeah for example that one of the there is something i read about on the the tool river indian reservation um there are some paintings uh at a site called painted rocks and petroglyphs that Mm -hmm. uh depict a family of uh hairy men which is like a, a a motif a figure and a bunch of Native American myth. Uh, and these are old. They're like between 500 and a thousand years old. And this, the like thing I was reading about them said that it was, they said it was a group of Bigfoot that was drawn. And it's like, well, <laughs> I'm not so sure about that because Bigfoot wasn't around until like 1958. So I'm not sure yeah. <laughs> that they would be drawing a family of Bigfoot. I get your idea here, but I think maybe it's something that you're looking at. You think looks like Bigfoot. Um, yeah. But what's interesting here and what I think is, is a good way to bring this in is that the, this, cre- they have a creation story. The local tribes, people um, have a creation story about the hairy man where he was an ancestor of the humans he was a uh, he was basically a, a Neanderthal, if you want to call it that. Um, and he, mm-hmm. in the creation myth, gave them the gift of being bipedal. Like he he brought humans into bipedality, um, and that was his gift to humanity. Which is really interesting, you know, how that parallels what we know about evolution nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. Considering that this is from a long, long time ago. Yeah. That's interesting. I'd also, uh, you know, honestly, not a gift I would have thought about uh, bipedality. Yeah. But that it's good. I mean, it, that is kind of like that's 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 an invention of fire to, level of fundamental fundamental oh, man. It's it's a very very important yeah. idea to be able to use your hands as as dexterous things. One hundred percent. It's what makes humans humans. I mean, again, it's the same. It's the same way that that distinguishes Bigfoot from a story about seeing. Uh, a giant bear in the woods is that this thing it walks on two feet um that's what distinguishes us from apes we don't drag our knuckles you know we Mm -hmm. don't support ourselves with we walk we we we're when we're babies maybe we do it we and we see our we our lives are are um are a, a process of getting away from being quadrupedal 
like our light our mm-hmm. personal life cycle is that we crawl and then we stand and when we stand that's when we're mature and we're real humans mm-hmm. and we're full humans um yeah uh there's also there's a another a pacific northwest a native american legend about a giant ogre named zunuqua who was covered in hair um and i that's he i think zunuqua steals stuff steals food okay. and steals babies um which again i don't think that really follows with the like another way another one to look at and see this is something that people modern people uh modern again cryptozoologists i always love putting scare quotes <laughs> yeah because it's the stupidest thing ever to say that you are an yeah i don't know whatever um but yeah there's another thing where like uh you know this sure it's a giant hairy guy but this obviously doesn't have that like bigfoot doesn't steal isn't a a kidnapper that's not that's like that's basically the opposite of what he is in most modern again cryptozoology so trying to like wrap this into the bigfoot myth is kind of weird to me again you know what i mean yeah that sounds like it's just a different thing yeah did you did you have any um any native american uh sasquatch type stuff you wrote down i not so much on on native american stuff i had another one on enkidu though just while we're still talking about the ye old bigfoot but there's a there's a religion surrounding bigfoot kind of called enkiduism mm-hmm. um and in 2017 a minnesota man uh represent um i don't know how to pronounce his first name it's gawain i think mcgregor oh, gawain. um w- gawain he mcgregor he was uh ac- he was a false bigfoot sighting not he saw a false bigfoot sighting he was a false bigfoot <laughs> sighting because he's a practicer of uh, enkiduism and Essentially, his belie- he went he went out into the woods covered in f- furs, mm-hmm. like just pelts, um, and that walking ar- walking around in the woods dressed like Bigfoot is how he was worshiping Enkidu um, to kind of mimic the the wild man thing. And he has a belief that, and apparently in Enkiduism, there's a belief that Bigfoot is a spiritual ancestor of uh and and the sasquatch they're all the same thing in this idea that this wild man trope that they see is uh is is a spiritual ancestor of enkidu and that um the way to to see bigfoot is to dress like bigfoot and traipse around in the woods like bigfoot Uh and then if you're worthy it's he's kind of a lorax like figure where he's kind of just a spirit of the woods that will make himself known to you um and I have a lot more respect for that than cryptozoology. Yeah. Being one with um, the woods. Being one with the woods. I, I like that lens to take on the Sasquatch or Bigfoot. Yeah. But um, that's not native. That's just uh, another one that is, I guess, an old belief. Yeah. The, I'll just go through a few more. I mean, I just have the, I don't have, again, I don't have like deep detail on a lot of this. It's just kind of like, this is the, this is the cliff notes you get when you look up like, native american origin of sasquatches it's just a bunch of people who are writing bullet points of like there was actually a thing called this in this mythology and you're like mm-hmm. oh wow that mu- i guess that must be bigfoot then um yeah there was a uh, uh in 1721 a jesuit priest who was living with the natchez uh native americans in in mississippi 
uh, reported that there were hairy creatures in the forest that used to scream and steal livestock. Um, uh, there was also, um, let's see, 16th century Spanish explorers uh, said that there were creatures called dark watchers that would stalk around their camps at night. Um, and then the other one I have here is, I don't know how to pronounce this name, but the it's S-T-S apostrophe A-I-L-E-S people uh, had stories about Saskets, which were shapeshifters that protected the forest. And supposedly that's Sasquatch is the anglicized version of Saskets, um, which cool. means hairy man. Um, so yeah, that's, those are some, some native American story. I get, I, I personally, I, I, I've never really cared that much about Bigfoot. I've never been a Bigfoot guy really at all. I've always really liked cryptids. Um, but I've never, just never really, I don't know why. And I, I think this is doing research for this has maybe crystallized it a little more and I'm sure we'll talk about it more. But one thing is, yeah, I feel like especially after doing research on this, I definitely don't think that Bigfoot and Sasquatch are the same thing. I yeah. feel like it's, yeah. I feel like um, Bigfoot is, is more corporeal. Yeah. And um, Sasquatch is more of a spirit. Um, but or, or something else, maybe yeah. even entirely. But I actually also was never a huge Bigfoot guy. I will say that looking into it and, and hearing all the different interpretations of what Bigfoot is has made me like the idea of Bigfoot more. Um, but at the same time, when I was younger and, you know, obviously very into cryptids, whenever Bigfoot came up, I kind of was like, all right, well, kind of a little bit. So what? I mean, what what if there's, what if there's a North American great ape? That's not humans. That's, that's cool. I, you know what? That is cool, but that's not like, but that's not even how you conceptualize it as a kid. Like, no, that's that. uh, Like as a kid, even uh, even as a, as an animal and cryptid obsessed kid, the word like another, the idea of another great ape doesn't mean anything to you. Like, yeah. So whatever. <laughs> it means it means it means the implications of a North American great ape are way cooler to me now as a twenty-seven-year-old yeah. than they. When I was a kid, I was like, okay, well, there's monkeys everywhere. Yeah. I mean, like, so I don't know. I just I I also was never just like enthralled with Bigfoot, but he is cool and he's definitely worth talking about. Yeah. Yeah. The it it, it just really is so. Um it's just so many di- like the other stuff I wrote down, like the Ojibwe people of the Northern Plains believed in a uh, creature called the Rougarou that was a hairy guy who appeared and was like a warning. He was like a, an omen that told man to change his ways. And it's like, how is that? How is that at all? Bigfoot. It just, it has hair. Like, I like, I don't know. Just the, I guess, to me, the idea of um, the idea of uh, like all these different uh, Native American cultures having legends and myths of um, like hairy men is like indicative of something possibly way more interesting that they've had that they've possibly had an oral tradition that dates back to when there could actually be hairy human precursors walking around. You know what I mean? I mean also. Like, you go to a bathhouse with Eastern Europeans in it, you can see hairy men <laughs> everywhere in there that look yeah. like Bigfoot. I don't know. There's I, just, uh, like, the cryptozoology brain is completely, to me, it's like, which, uh, to me, there's an obvious answer to this question, and it's like, which is cooler, that there's somehow, uh, that there's a, a hairy ape guy that's been walking around the forest for hundreds of years and somehow has never been physically proven in any way, 
or that this group of people has like has passed down has found has passed down information um in with through their their like family line since before writing was a thing like yeah about a ubiquitous trope of of a wild man that's that's way more interesting yeah it it's it's really fascinating to me to think about where the the myth because like that we yeah when we talk about also the the like myths of of enkidu and of the like for example the medieval wild man which we'll get into which is like a pretty common motif in art and stuff um like i yeah i guess i don't i'm curious about what the difference between if that like how how like real the wild man was seen in some of these other cultures versus native american culture um like because it feels like to me in a lot of medieval art and stuff the wild man is much more of like a symbol and like uh uh character than in a lot of this native american myth where it seems like it's like oh this is something you see or this is something we have seen uh you know what i mean sure yeah yeah but anyway i guess let's i mean yeah one more thing though just is like i i do see there is a separation i think and i think you're correct in identifying that there's a separation between the native american legend of a sasquatch like thing or wild man and then the cryptozoologist type uh-huh. but colloquially to anybody that you bring it up to they're kind of the same thing yeah like so definitely. i think you can i think for, for the intents and purposes of of how people in general talk about it i think that you can you can lump it all into the same thing yeah for sure yeah i just i think once it's it just really is interesting to me once you dig deeper how much is really going on under the surface like sure and it's really le- is less about Bigfoot and more about just like the fact that Sasquatch is considered part of it um, mm-hmm. or like is considered synonymous. Um, but let's talk. Let's talk Willow Creek. Let's talk Jerry Crew and Andrew Genzoli, because this is the this is the, the first time and this is in the 50s. And this is when the word Bigfoot was coined or not, maybe not coined, but this is when it was it saw widespread use. And this is Bigfoot fever starting here. Um, mm-hmm. so this was in, oh God, where was this? This was at Willow Creek, but I don't remember what it's in California, California. Okay, cool. Um, so this was a lumber operation that was going on, uh, in this, in this area. So it was a forest in fact. Um, and a bunch of men working this, this lumber operation, they saw a bunch of big human looking footprints that were 16 inches long. Um, then they started to notice things like a giant 450 pound drum of fuel had gone missing with big footprints left behind uh, a 700 pound tire they, it was missing and then they found it in a ditch as if it had been thrown in there um, and so stories started to spread and they started to believe that there was a creature stalking their work site and causing mayhem and mischief and they called it big foot which was two words at the time mm-hmm and uh this guy jerry crew uh he was in the newspaper holding a plaster cast he made of the footprint and the headline uh for the article was big feet afoot that's a good that's a good headline yeah and that was october 6th 1958 and that was the first widespread use of the word or the term bigfoot and that's when it really started to to gain steam mm-hmm um, and this actually also ended up being, I don't think it was like conclusively proven, but or no, I think that, yeah, there was, I think they found like 
f- fake feet in the, a guy's house who was working that that operation after he died or something. Like they didn't get him um, to admit yeah. it was a hoax, but they like were like, "Oh, this was a hoax." I think that they found um, a wood carving. Okay. Of 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 fake feet. Yeah. So maybe he was just a feet hobbyist too. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the first foot fetishist. Yeah, or maybe not the first, but one of many throughout all of human history. One of the most ambitious, to, we can say. Yeah, <laughs> one of the biggest. One of the feet, men who uh, made the biggest splashes. The foot fetishist <laughs> who affected human culture the most. He accidentally yeah. invented Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, you know that's a that's an app name for for of a foot fetishist who made a big splash in the history of their their culture. Yeah. Bigfoot. Yeah, you know that's great. Wow. Yeah, that he was just trying to enact little <laughs> scenes to to titillate himself. And he, he he when he saw the headlines, he was secretly just being like, I wish they could they would have called it Big Hot Foot. Yeah. Hot <laughs> big sexy big sexy foot. Yeah, all the the men at the lumber operation were like, we're looking for Bigfoot. We're hunting down Bigfoot. Have you seen him? And the and he was like, "Oh yeah, I know. I haven't seen Sexy Foot. I mean Bigfoot." <laughs> yeah. He has little patches over his nipples that he's rubbing. Yeah, um, as, he's, as he's talking about Bigfoot. Um, yeah, no, that that yeah. So that that's the popularization of the name, yeah. which is important to the the cryptozoology definition of Bigfoot. Yeah, I think also, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's also when like people started to get really into the idea of Bigfoot, mm-hmm. uh, and that's when it wasn't just like a. Like I, th- I think before that, big there was an idea of possibly a Bigfoot type creature, but it was like the type of thing where you'd like walk into a bar and a grizzled old guy in the mountains might tell you a story about it. Well, actually, that that seems like a good yeah hit uh, a good time to bring up bring up the the Bauman tale. Yes, um, which is uh, actually one of the first times that a Bigfoot story. He didn't have the name Bigfoot yet, but a Bigfoot story was popularized or, or published on a large scale. And it was because uh, Teddy Roosevelt had a book called The Wilderness Hunter, which is a, <laughs> a very a Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. <laughs> very Teddy Roosevelt name. Yeah, um, the num- the a- best th- part of, of every of every cryptid story or so the best cryptid sighting is always the one where some figure from history is somehow in it as like a side character. It's been Teddy Roosevelt a lot of the time. Yeah, he loves to have interactions <laughs> with these kinds of things. Yeah, he well, he wanted to hunt the Snallygaster. Yeah, I wonder. I feel like he's been involved in like a lot of these. I wonder if he he was. We didn't do anything with the Loch Ness ever, but I have a feeling that Teddy Roosevelt, if if the Loch Ness monster was a thing around the time that Teddy Roosevelt was a thing, he probably wanted to put a bullet in its fucking head. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, what a weird, weird guy! I know. It's so <laughs> <fucking> funny. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so he, he released the, the Wilderness Hunter came out in 1893, and it was uh, regarding a time that Roosevelt had tried ranching in the wilds of North Dakota, and before long before his presidency or his fame or anything, when he was but uh, a simple killer of everything he encountered, um, he. He said he told a story in this book of him meeting a very very grizzled frontiersman named Bauman. I fr- I don't remember his first name or even if that's included at any point. I don't know if it is but, included. I think he just I think yeah. the name's Bauman. The name's Bauman. 
Um, yeah, but he he met this this frontiersman named Bauman who um, the thing that struck Teddy so so much about Bauman telling this tale is that Bauman was a man who was born and lived and died as a as a rough and tumble frontiersman in in the early to mid eighteen hundreds, and you know he was far too practical and stoic a person to be spinning tales just for the sake of spinning tales. Right. He couldn't be lying because he was calm. He couldn't be lying because he was calm and Germanic. Um, but this story likely took place in the Idaho or Montana area in the early to mid-1800s. And essentially what the story is, is uh, Bauman, when he was a young, not-quite-yet-grizzled frontiersman, was trapping with a partner um, in in a remote area that had lost a trapper mysteriously the prior year. So it was... an avoided area but bauman being filled with with grit um Mm -hmm. was like i don't i don't care about such things i'm bauman and my partner is unnamed in this story but he's badass too and they uh they they went hunting and trapping and you know doing all their their frontiersy stuff up there and um they the, the first night um they camped and then they they left camp in the day and were were trapping and when they came back it looked like a someone a person or a bear had ransacked their their campsite and they at first thought it was a bear but then Bauman's partner pointed out that it seemed to be a bear that was only walking on two feet the entire time based on the tracks left behind and Bauman was like <laughs> you're silly <laughs> um, and then they they went to sleep and then. They were a aw- Bauman was awoken in the middle of the night by a really strong beast odor and and rustling noises and saw a large vague shadow um, by one of their tents I guess and he shot at it in the dark but he 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 thinks he missed and then it um, the shadow retreated further into the other shadows of the woods uh, making noises and crashing around and stuff and then. The rest of their trip, they they reported just feeling eerily watched the entire time. They, you know, they just were like, they'd hear twigs snapping and stuff behind them, and they'd they're just they felt creeped out. They felt spooked, um, and then they're like, okay, it's time to get out of here. We're spooked. We're we're like Raggy and Ruby Ruby do. We got to get out of here. Um, and so, uh, Bauman's partner was going to like pack up their camp while Bauman went and collected the the remainder of their beaver traps. Um, so he was out collecting their beaver traps, and when he went back to the camp, he saw that it was all packed up, but Bauman was, or Bauman's partner was, was stretched uh, um, across a log, all weird, and Bauman ran up and saw that his neck was broken, and there were four tooth-like puncture wounds in his neck. Um, and the, ca- the other stuff was messed up, too, I think. Um, Crazy. And then he he just grabbed his rifle and yeah. ran as fast as he could without taking anything else. Let me read. And, let me read the Roosevelt quote of, of this this uh, yeah, passage. Sure. Bauman, utterly unnerved and believing that the creature with which he had to deal was something either half human or half devil, some great goblin beast, abandoned everything but his rifle and struck off at speed down the pass until beyond reach of pursuit. Yeah, he went. Um, but yeah, that's the Bauman story. Also, I will say, you know, 
we made fun of Teddy Roosevelt being chilled to the bone by this just because the man who said it was calm. But I will say, whenever I hear stories of the paranormal or the otherwise unexplained coming from a practical, a pra- practical folk, it does have an effect on me even more than like you know shoddy video would. I, I'm, I am like, okay, this. I do know plenty of real practical-minded people that would have no sense in in trying to spin tales for attention, mm-hmm. and I haven't met one that has told me a tale for attention, but I, I can imagine if one of them had, that I would believe it. Yeah. I would believe an old grizzled mountain man. I would be, I would be very scared of this story if somebody told me this story. It's a scary story. I mean, just even... It is a scary story. Even it, even it just being a bear is scary. Yeah. A bear that's following you and like yeah messing with you night by night until it kills one guy like that's the idea of anything doing this whether it's a bigfoot or not is very frightening yeah it does sound a lot like a bear yeah but it it could have not been it could have been a goblin beast a, a, a goblin great, beast a or goblin beast or as teddy roosevelt put it a bigfoot yeah. No, just kidding. That didn't happen no. until the fifties. Yeah, they didn't. Um, they didn't refer to it as a Bigfoot. It, it would be very funny if, in the history of Bigfoot etymology, it was Teddy Roosevelt who coined the term. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, in his book, The Wilderness Hunter, he he coined the term yeah. the Bigfoot. Well, Great Goblin Beast didn't catch on. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if people would have listened to him if he was like, and they called it Bigfoot. <laughs> like, Teddy, Teddy, up, Roosevelt's, <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt's a fucking weirdo, man. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't do, I, I didn't get all that much done on, on different like specific sightings. Um, the, uh, the, another one that I wrote down was this one is, is earlier. And this is another one that I think is not so much Bigfoot, but a, just another example of how the idea of the ape man is kind of um, permanently ingrained in culture is this is ape Canyon. Um, mm-hmm. And this happened in a in near Mount St. Helens. This was July sixteenth, twenty uh, nineteen twenty four, or this is when I guess the article came out. I don't know when this act this the exactly this event happened, but apparently, and this is the only detail I have this on this is a group of guys uh, prospecting for gold had a a quote conflict between a group of quote ape men. Yeah. I didn't get much more of a, of a description than that either. I, I have a group of miners were attacked by a group of quote eight men. Yeah. So I <laughs> I don't know. So uh, crazy. Man, can you imagine I, if anything like that was published in the news nowadays? <laughs> like with that little detail, like an article comes out and they're like, <laughs> yeah, a bunch of guys, I guess, were near a mountain. They got attacked, attacked by eight men. Well, we'll see you tomorrow for more news. Uh, I also think it's funny that there it was a group of people looking for gold. I yeah. like that I don't know. That that's funny. I don't I I agree that that's not fully a Bigfoot story, but it's it's related. Um yeah. I like to think that that happened. Um yeah. that just just it makes the world more rich to imagine that in 1924 a group of miners were attacked by a group of eight men and they had a very they had a little battle. Yeah. But I, yeah, I definitely I I, the the one of the challenges do with doing this episode is is avoiding not eating into the next episode, which is chimps. Um, so yeah. I want to talk more about just apes and ape men more, I guess, in that episode. But man, the idea of a group of miners being attacked by ape men is incredible. That yeah, I would love to see a a video of that. Yeah, I would love to see a movie of that. 
even. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of movies, another big, this is more of a Bigfoot sighting. This is in, uh, nine, in the 70s, 1971, Falk, Arkansas. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a big hairy creature that reached through a window at a woman, um, freaked everybody out, and it inspired a movie called The Legend of Boggy Creek about the Falk monster that I watched this in preparation um, for this, and I know Kai did too. And I have to mm-hmm. say, I think this is my... Now, not that I've seen all that many, but I think this is pretty easily my favorite Bigfoot movie. Um, it's really, really good. I've only seen two. I've seen, I saw this one, and then also in preparation, I had the treat of seeing The Night of the Demon, um, I think it's called, yeah, from the 70s. Um, in theaters, the... It, it was a nice little cross section of I knew I was doing this episode and I saw that it was they're playing an old movie at a theater and um, that movie was fun but it does not portray Bigfoot in a nice light yeah let's just say that it's it's not fair to Bigfoot yeah um, and also I don't know it, that that one is just like so I guess if we're talking about movies I really quickly want to talk yeah, about that movies. movie um, he basically what happened is. Uh, the director, I, d- I don't, pardon me, I don't remember anybody's names that's involved in this movie, but the, the director uh, made, a Bigfoot, made a Bigfoot movie that was a PG movie, and it tanked, because it's not a very good movie, and then the producer, after the movie was released and tanked, went through and reshot a bunch of stuff and added it in to turn it into uh, a, an X-rated movie, um, and so it's it's very awkwardly paced in a very fun way where like you know they'll be like well and then there is another time that bigfoot encountered uh, a motorcyclist and then they'll just do a very very awkward cut to mm-hmm. just a flashback of when bigfoot encountered the motorcyclist and i guess i don't want to spoil it but bigfoot does something very interesting to that motorcyclist <laughs> um, and then then it'll cut back to them around the campfire again and the guy will be like yeah and then there was those two girl scouts wow. and it'll cut again and it'll just That's be crazy. Bigfoot just throwing two like spinning girls around his head. It, it's, it's a ridiculous movie. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, but Bigfoot is a rapist in that movie. Um, yeah. Which is another, and, that's another big, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, I think, in in the Unicorns episode, if you want to go back. But I think that's another that's another big part of, of the wild man um, mm-hmm. that is interesting because, yeah, it seems to not, I mean, I, there definitely are, is our stories of, of Bigfoot being a rapist or wanting to, like, breed with human women or whatever. Um, but you don't see it as much as you might expect for what is essentially the modern wild man myth. Um, uh, this is... Also, not part of mythology at all, but I just wanted to bring it up only because I think he's sick, not be, and he's a rapist and a wild man. Um, but wild from Berserk. Um, oh yeah, he, he's kind of a Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, big, he, I, yeah. I think Bigfoot. I would. I would even. I. And this is like so semantics. This is so pedantic. But I would argue that Bigfoot is a wild man, and wild and Bigfoot are both a subset of wild man. Or eight yeah, men. I, I agree, but I don't know if if you haven't had the honor or pleasure of reading Berserk, you should just look up Wild spelled W Y A L D. He looks fucking crazy. Yeah. Um. Back for back to the to the movies corner. Um. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. To contrast the the Night of the Demon, the X rated one. Um. Yeah. Legend of Boggy Creek was actually rated G. 
which is crazy. I think it's probably not that it's like so scary, but it definitely is the scariest G-rated movie I've ever seen. I think. Yeah. Um, and, and definitely, this was the first movie I've watched in like pro in a really really long time that really made gave me such a strong hankering to start smoking weed again. I think that would be the perfect movie to sit and be so stoned for. It's so uh, atmosphere. It's like a, a huge percentage of it is just kind of like. Um, footage of like a swamp and a forest with like animals looking and running around and just like beautiful old uh 70s film footage of 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 nature with like this old timey narration and every once in a while a little folk song plays but then it's just also Mm -hmm. mixed in with like every there's also just scenes of like this like big fucking guy in an ape suit that you kind of only see you like barely see like he just kind of disappears behind the trees or he's like kind of stalks his way up towards somebody like it's very like it's very he's very a well done yeah he's a shuffler uh, that and movie was don't beautiful. Really get it was a beautiful. good shot at him a good look at him yeah. i mean um it's it really i i really recommend that to anybody and i think that's also that's also the i think the best that's my favorite version of bigfoot that i've seen yeah. in a piece of media definitely <laughs> He, fe- he definitely feels kind of just like wild and, and naturalistic like he could be an animal, but also definitely like there could be something going on. Um, like you just just the, how little you see him or how like sh- uh, kind of shifting in and out of your sight he is. It feels kind of supernatural. Um, mm-hmm. Another movie I watched to prepare for this that was really bad was this movie Exists, which was a found footage by the guy who made the, the Blair Witch Project. Um, and is really quite bad. I don't really recommend it. It is basically the Blair Witch Project, but with Bigfoot. And Bigfoot is just completely violent and just is killing everybody for no reason. Um, and he's just an ape guy. Uh, and, but the only cool part is that there's a scene where like a guy has a GoPro on his helmet and is trying to bike away from like the cabin that they're staying at because people somebody like went missing or something. And he looks to the side, and Bigfoot is just completely keeping pace with him, just running next to the bike but he's doing like a weird run that looks maybe like the Patterson Gimlin uh, film a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. I want to finish out movie. I want to get all the movies over with another one. I watched a while ago that I can't remember the name of. Do you remember the name of it? (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 Cameron's Bigfoot movie. Uh, well fuck. What was it called? Oh, uh, abominable. That one has a cool Bigfoot. That one's not that great of a movie. Um, but the Bigfoot in it has a, has really crazy teeth. <laughs> I about it. He has weird fucked up teeth. If you search, uh, let me see what year this movie's from so I can tell you what to Google. Uh, 2006. If you search abominable 2006 Bigfoot, um, this, he looks completely crazy in it. Uh, oh, whoa, whoa. He has like fucked up old guy teeth kind of. Wow, he looks. Fu- he looks like he a looks binding like- of Isaac. He has a binding of Isaac boss mouth. I guess is what I would say. Yeah, he totally does. What the fuck? Um, and then the other, the other movie I wanted to mention that I also think is not so good. That's also a found footage one, but has a one really cool scene. Uh, is Willow Creek, and that's a Bobcat Goldthwait movie, which is funny. Um, but this is like a another. Found, it's a found footage where a couple goes hunting for Bigfoot, and they're like making a documentary about it or whatever. Um, and there's one really good scene in it where they're in a tent at night and and it's just like one continuous take for like eight to ten straight minutes i think of them just in the tent and they can just hear something walking around outside and making kind of hooting noises and then it's like kind of up near the tent and like you touching the tent and throwing stuff at the tent and they're just like freaking out and just like sitting there and having no idea what to do and i think it's really scary um and you never see bigfoot in that movie and that's like the closest you come is just that scene where like 
just knowing that it's like just on the other side of like a piece of fabric is so crazy um yeah very creepy uh, I really like that scene, but I don't think the whole movie is worth watching necessarily. I had an experience like that when I was a kid um, on Isle Roy- an island called Isle Royale, which is a which is a camping place. Um, it's a it's a I don't know if it's a national or state reserve, but I there's a lot of moose on that island, and I was camping and I was woken up in the middle of the night by something very very large just shuffling around my tent, Damn. and I I was like you know. 11 and very very scared um and then in the morning um i saw big moose prints and we we saw a bunch of moose later that day like it was for sure just a moose yeah i don't know i shouldn't say just a moose moose are 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 scary yeah but i have to say that that i still very distinctly remember the feeling of knowing that something big and unknown is on the other side of a thin piece of fabric is very very spooky yeah it's horrifying i've never been in that situation i can't even imagine i would be so scared um but that's i think that's the end of movie corner at least that's all the movies i've watched about bigfoot i think um i also watched the beef jerky movie where oh yeah the the, the very small movie that comes the between movie that comes shows. between tv shows yeah oh yeah. here's a here's a bigfoot movie here's i got a, i got a beautiful segue for you the other bigfoot movie is from 1967 and it was filmed on october 20th 1967 and it's known as the patterson gimlin film uh okay, and this yeah. is the classic video of bigfoot if you've seen a picture of if somebody needs to show a, an icon of bigfoot they will show the frame from this video where bigfoot is striding with its hands uh with its arms kind of outstretched a little bit and it's looking back over its shoulder this is a classic video uh I, and it's it was filmed by Roger Patter, Patterson and Robert Bob Gimlin in Northern California, um, and I like this video even though it's a it's a hoax. I really just like this video, and I think it's no it's no wonder that this so captured the national imagination and is still the shorthand image for Bigfoot. It is it is I think just a really good image of that of just that kind of weird walk where it's not really a human gate, but it's also not really an ape gate, and it's the way it doesn't really seem to care. It's not hiding, you know what I mean? But it's also yeah. not like coming closer curiously like it just is existing and walking around i think it's a good i think it's a good hoax um I like it is a good hoax a also i will say i believe that it's a hoax and it has pretty much been verified as a hoax by the person who makes made the suit uh-huh. which is that's i mean that's that's pretty much all you need yeah but um there are uh verifiable scientists not just cryptozoologists um who are strong believers that it is a real evidence because um no the here's here's the uh, the idea is this one scientist whose name i don't remember so you're just gonna have to trust maybe you can look it up yourself for for a change you see um but they, they were saying that um you can see like the 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 shoulder blades moving under the skin in a way that wouldn't be possible in a suit in a gorilla suit and another thing that they cited was by very scientifically i guess uh comparing the size of the creature in the film to the things around it that it has a a shoulder width of like two and a half times that of a normal person they say that it like they were claiming that it must be huge i have to say when watching it i don't get that impression i get the impression that it's about guy in a gorilla suit sized yeah. um, but uh, you know 
the, apparently it it is like a hotly disputed thing still to this day and that some people do believe it. I think even as a kid, I remember another thing that I was disillusioned with Bigfoot by is that I remember like being posited that Bigfoot was real and this was like the most substantial piece yeah. of evidence. <laughs> and I remember watching it just like as a kid and being like, oh, I mean, no, that's that's a guy in a suit. It's not as good as the as the Loch Ness monster proof that you find as a kid when you Google Loch Ness monster proof. You see the classic video of the humps and the thing, and then like yeah, the theory there, like the theory for to disprove that picture is like this is a picture of an elephant swimming in the water, and that is like that sounds so fucking bullshit. Like that is completely like you're, that's yeah. the easiest thing. Like what are you talking? An elephant swimming in the water? <laughs> Even if that's true, that is just a crazy thing to say. Versus yeah, like oh, this is a guy in a gorilla suit. You're like oh yeah, a, a guy in a gorilla suit, right? But uh, but like yeah, also. Uh, the Patterson uh, Gimlin or Gimlet, uh, Gimlin. yeah, Gimlin um, footage. It's supposed to be a girl Bigfoot, right? I forgot about that. Yeah, which is probably why it's a little smaller and looks less giant and looks more human sized because it's of sexual dimorphism. So that actually proves as well that this video is real. Mm-hmm. Even yeah, though that's actually a very good point, Cameron. To have been manufactured. Ah, ah, very um, good point. Something interesting too. Well, I mean, this is a, also a good segue into this. I think, especially talking about how there are people there are, again, cryptozoologists who still believe that the Patterson Gimlin film is real footage of a real Bigfoot. Uh, is that I read this this article in this uh, psychiatric uh, journal from the seventies um, that was shortly at, that came out. So the the Patterson Gimlin footage is from 1967. This was, I don't remember the exact year, but it was from the, from the seventies. Uh, and it seems like based on this, which again, you have to take this with a grain of salt because this is not an easy survey to conduct, but it seems like belief in Bigfoot seemed to get stronger, uh, over time as science and modernization or whatever advanced as opposed to getting less, um, like people seem to become more entrenched in the idea that Bigfoot could be real in the seventies versus the fifties. Um, and people like they, they questioned a bunch of people and it seemed they noticed that people with, and this is maybe a little obvious. So they questioned a bunch of people. They noticed people with higher levels of education tended to not believe in Bigfoot. People with lower levels of education tended to believe in Bigfoot. Um, but it wasn't like cut and dry like that. Like people would be like, people would say things like, Oh, well, like, I guess if there could be such thing as dinosaurs, then probably there could be such thing as Bigfoot too. And like, it might as well be real because there's so many different animals on the earth that how would I have any proof or idea that this isn't real as well. Um, and the, uh, the, they also noticed that, um, and this is, this is something that I really want to, I want to put a pin in and come back to in, in a little bit is, uh, that people who are living in remote areas, like mountains or forests, um, definitely had a stronger belief in Bigfoot versus people who lived in, in more urban areas. Um, a quote from a, a Canadian farmer who, who lived in isolation, quoted, quoted as saying, when it is daylight, I don't believe in them. But at night, when I'm alone in the mountains or in the bush, they could be real, um, which I think is a really, really strong That's quote, a good quote that really just like, yeah, encapsulates so much. Another quote that I wanted to read from this this journal that's a little less related but this is about kind of this is the commercialization um of bigfoot that had even started by this point um and here this one's a little bit of a longer quote um but 
much less serious but more conspicuous and appealing to modern man's fascination with science fiction monsters is the commercial exploitation of the Sasquatch phenomenon. In the Sasquatch Inn and the Sasquatch Den Cafe, as well as in the souvenir shops, the tourist is offered pamphlets about the hairy giants who still roam the forests around the lake. Caves, valleys, inlets, and creeks, mountains and rivers, and even a provincial park are named after the giants. The visitor finds postcards, dolls, ashtrays, and other souvenirs featuring Sasquatches accompanied by stereotyped versions of Sasquatch stories, and he is kept in a state of excitement, which induces curiosity, annoyance, or amusement. Finally buying a souvenir Sasquatch, he discovers a small label made in Norway. He has bought a troll, the famous mythical Scandinavian giant. Um, And what I really like about this is I think this is such an interesting thing uh, of the the idea of a monster being possibly real is completely being used to yeah like it says to stir up curiosity and an amusement and interest um through commercial commercialization um and it's so interesting to look at that as a possible culprit of like well why would even as we as we're able to map more of the world and able to understand more of the world and science advances and there's more and more mountain mounting proof that okay the uh, creature like this could not live without us being aware of it um why is why do people still get more entrenched in their ways and i think this there's two very clear uh um explanations here one is the obvious um you know when you're in the woods it's a little different you're in kind of a different yeah. world, which we'll come back to. But also, like, there is kind of, I think, a vested interest in in some, like, and, like, the idea of, like, yeah, tourism being a driving force to trying to convince people that Sasquatch could be real is so crazy. I also, this might be a bit of a reach, but I feel like the, the point that you made about as technological advancements in, in, increase, people's belief in Bigfoot also going up is very interesting. And I wonder if um, some of that comes from a rejection of, of, you know, of of a changing world where it's kind of like it. Bigfoot is, it's, is a very rustic creature. You know, he lives in the woods. He, he, he's kind of a Lorax like figure, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I feel like, I wonder if that, that want to believe in Bigfoot is is in some way kind of just a rejection yeah no 100 percent. and i think i think that yeah they even this is a great uh point to talk about more about the idea of the wild man um because i do i think that bigfoot is kind of a uh, uh inherits a lot of this tradition um which the old this is i just wrote this down because this is fun the middle english term for a wild man was woodwoes W-O-O-D-W-O-S-E, which is just a fun word. Um, Woodwows. Woodwows. And this is like a a motif, a mythical figure in a lot of art and literature of medieval Europe. Uh, Like we mentioned before, the earliest wild man, the earliest recorded wild man um, was Enkidu from the Epic of Gilgamesh back in Mesopotamia. Um, He was, yeah, created by Aruru. He was hairy and primitive, and then he is seduced by a woman, which causes him to become human and intelligent. Um, another influence on, on where the idea of the wild man came from was Nebuchadnezzar II um, in the book of Daniel, which is back to the second century BC. Nebuchadnezzar was a king in Babylon who was boastful and God humbled him. Uh, and the way that God humbled him was cursing him to become ostracized, to grow hair on his body and to live like a beast. Um, and the widespread medieval idea of the wild man also came 
from things like fauns and satyrs uh, in Greek and Roman mythology. Um, mm-hmm. And there was a Roman god of the woods named Sylvanus, uh, who was a, a hairy guy, I believe. Um, so the, I, the idea of the wild man in, as a medieval motif, there was an idea that the wild man was associated with tradition, with ancientness, that the wild man might hold older wisdom that modern people have lost through advancement. Um, and, uh, this was kind of what the wild man represented in a lot of ways. Uh, you see a lot in a lot of old stories about people being cursed to become wild, uh, like in, in the book of Daniel, for example, as one, um, these people are often also like cursed to wander around, like they become wanderers Mm -hmm. on the earth, which I think is also, you look at that as like, this is civilization versus nomadic life. This is the divide between Paleolithic and Neolithic man. Like to mm-hmm. be a to be wild is to not have a home and to not have a home is to be, is to belong to an era before the Neolithic. When we didn't settle down, be- we were hunter gatherers. We didn't domesticate animals. We were one with nature. We didn't have any power over nature necessarily. We existed within it. it. It's essentially to say to be a beast. Yeah. Yeah. We were, I- we were alongside the animals instead of doing things against them or with like over them. Um, yeah. There was also uh, another idea of, of wild men could have come from um, just like, for example, people in Europe uh, are probably not going to be seeing apes or monkeys yeah, with very much frequency. Sure. So again, another similar thing when we look at like unicorns and stuff, um, definitely people could have been going to other places and seeing apes and coming back and saying, I saw a wild man. I saw a human that had hair and he acted like a beast. Um, mm-hmm. uh Pliny the Elder uh, ha- ha wrote about creatures called Sylvesters, um, which, <laughs> were <laughs> which are humanoid creatures he saw in India who couldn't speak and they were covered in hair, which basically strongly fit the description of Gibbons. Um, yeah. And he called them Sylvesters and thought they were wild, wild men. Uh, but yeah, the wild man also... Uh, in Freudian analysis, the wild man is kind of represents... Um, the potent, like the potent, the unconscious potential of um, not being able to to come to terms with society and with civilization, like kind of like this sublimated urge to return to nature or to not be part of of civilization. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. So the wild man is kind of just, I think. You can look at it as it is the 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 depiction of the human. Like, yeah, it is. It's what's really fascinating about the wild man to me um, is that the wild man motif predates by a huge amount any possible idea that w- humans could have had that we evolved from uh, from apes or from quote unquote lesser creatures. I have I'm 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 just spitting theories I, right now, but uh-huh. I, I, if I remember very tangentially, I, I there's you know a, a pretty wide held belief that um, humans and and our immediate predecessors um, ne- Neanderthals occupied Earth and probably the same continents at the same time. Definitely and. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess that's all that all predates the ability to write anything down. But 
oral tradition is powerful, and I wonder if you know the idea of of these people has been kept alive through through i yeah i agree with that i mean i i think that it's not i think it's not crazy to imagine that we could have some kind of um you know ancestral feeling of belong of being i mean it's also not hard to look to be a human and look at an ape and think there's something going on here there's no other animal that looks like me in the same way that this thing does um i mean also when you when you when people research apes i think that that's that feeling is pretty much verified. Yeah. It's like, th- there's something going on here. That's not really exactly an animal in the same sense as a cow. Yeah. You know, or at the um, very least, it's not, it's more, it's more similar than to me than anything else I could possibly see. I see myself in this. Um, like, yeah, I, cause I do, I, the romantic side of me, not romantic, like romance, but romantic, like rose colored glasses. I was, as I would love to imagine there's some magic, persistent sense that we have that we used to be apes and that we used to be prehistoric um and we remember the animals we walked alongside that no longer exist and such and such but i think also you can imagine any uh ancient or medieval person looking at an ape or even looking at like um even like a wolf you know or a bear and thinking what how can i be how can I be like I am and how can this be like this is? How is there, how is this, there's such a gulf between us and kind of like, yeah, imagining and sublimating. Well, there has to, like, it's such a powerful idea to have a, a human covered in hair who acts like a beast because that is the defining feature of a human is that we don't act like a beast and we're not covered in hair. Um, and I, th- I think that there is, there is kind of a romantic notion with the wild man that, that there is there must be a connection between those two between beast and man that, that yeah you know exactly I, I think also i think that's maybe part of the reason that bigfoot tends to occupy kind of a platonic space of our imaginations where it's like i mean people are scared of bigfoot in movies and stuff because he's they turn him into a slasher villain when it, he shouldn't be but in 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 the popular imagination of bigfoot he's usually uh a neutral to good guy. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I wonder if that's some kind of like, you know, that, that positive feeling of, of remembering, you know, your, your connection with nature is tied, is tethered to the idea of Bigfoot in some way. Definitely. I think that that's why he's not necessary. He's not a a monster like a, a dragon is. That's why he's seen so differently. Um, I think like, yeah, I think like, you know, obviously Bigfoot is is scary and fascinating because he's a creature in the woods that we haven't identified. So obviously that's inherently got something there. But I do think like deeper, like analytically, I think this thing that's like, I guess to the thing that scares us about any um, about any monster is, besides one that's just going to eat us besides just a predator um, is its similarity or how we can see or, or i guess to, the word wouldn't be scary it would be eerie or uncanny um mm-hmm. you know that's that's what makes something a special that's what gives us the special feeling about a monster versus the cool feeling or the cute feeling um mm-hmm. that's what gives us the 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 uncanny the uneasy is there is there something here about a creature that is so similar to us but we still can't understand um and that's yeah i mean the it's bigfoot also completely pre-captures the entire like 
evolution and degeneration anxiety of the late 1800s that brings us stuff like Frankenstein or like beast man and the Island of Dr. Moreau. Like this is Mm -hmm. stuff that this is like Bigfoot is, is, is all the way back to like the first civilization or whatever, you know, or at least the idea of a wild man is all the way back to Mesopotamia. Um, and this, and it like, I think he is probably the monster precursor of that type of human monster where that is, that is, I think what everything is built on. It's all built on Frankenstein and Dracula and, and, and Sasquatch basically. And wild, the wild man, I guess. And I think, I I think swamp creatures are a subset of wild man. Yeah. Yeah. Just the idea of, of like it, 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 it really is the idea of just something, a human who has, has lost his humanity or even a human that was never human to begin with. Like either the idea of either a human that was that has lost his humanity is scary and terrifying in one way, but also the idea that humans didn't have humanity and they had to gain it, quote unquote, is also scary. That something was before humans uh, and that, yeah, that that somehow is still extant and that we can somehow still be walking next to a human without humanity. Um, That is scary, but I think that that is softened by the fact that it's. Like with Bigfoot in particular, like with Frankenstein, it's a human who's lost his humanity because of his kiss with death. You know, uh-huh. um, with Bigfoot, his lack of humanity is something that's still more understandable than that. Where it's his his lack of humanity is a closeness with nature, yeah. which is something that people for forever have like enjoyed and and moved towards. Yeah. Um. I mean, also they've moved people move away from it all the time too. But it's it's like it's a it's a it's an it's an okay moving away from humanity as opposed yeah. to a as an unnatural it's, moving away. It's special, uh, the yeah. human relationship to nature, just like any other animal, um, is special. And I guess I guess one more thing I would that, that that I just thought of here is is like the the I guess that probably the the rise of Bigfoot being a corporeal. Well, yeah, definitely the rise of Bigfoot being a corporeal, real monster that is a scary monster that does stuff. Um, and is not like necessarily the specter of man's relationship with nature is that's the fifties. That's the rise of the fifties. And that's, this is the same time that just monster fever is just generally setting in. Like this is the rise. Uh, this is when kids are consume are consuming sci-fi and, and this is when, you know, giant monster movies are coming into style. This is when the universal monster movies are being syndicated on TV. And this is when people are getting Frankenstein and Dracula fever. Um, this mm-hmm. is compl- this is like just, I think this is the rise of of the interest in monsters in a way that has never changed for our society. This is like the fifties are the year that I think that just like permanently changed the way that we look at mm-hmm. monsters. This podcast probably would never exist if it weren't for the cultural shift that happened in the fifties. And I for guess sure. that it feels like to me that that and maybe this is moving towards some kind of thesis for this these last few episodes. But uh, I guess that I feel like bigfoot the modern idea of bigfoot is kind of a child of the atomic bomb in the same way maybe almost every modern monster is where the way that society is changing completely shifted the perception of bigfoot from being some kind of shape-shifting nature spirit to being something whose defining characteristic is oh he has 24 inch feet and oh he throws oil drums like this is a real this is a real world that has changed forever and this isn't a world anymore where we believe in um a shape-shifting spirit that can enter a tree. So uh, 
I, I think I got a little bit lost. What, what about the atomic bomb increases the tangibility of Bigfoot? Or like, could you expand on that a little bit? I just think it's, I think it's a product of the same cultural shift that, uh, that brings that, that causes our obsession with monsters in a certain way where it, it's, it's both like a result of escapism a little bit where we're confronted with this very real science that has mm-hmm. altered the world in a very real, very horrific, very evil way. And then we are also seeing kind of coming off of that, this wave of, uh, I, not, not exploitative in, in the way of exploitative, but exploitative in the way of making money off the idea of the atomic bomb being in the zeitgeist. We're seeing sci-fi movies. We're seeing atomic monsters. We're seeing monsters in general. I rise more saying. and this is at the exact same time that bigfoot is like you know in the newspapers versus in hushed tones at the hunting lodge um i think that not necessarily i think that the bigfoot just gets swept up in this atomic monster craze and while he's not like really an atomic monster in any actual way i think this is you can kind of tell maybe looking i think you can tell looking at the stories pre pre willow creek and post willow creek he's treated a lot more like he is a, a monster fever monster. He's a monster sure. magazine monster instead of a tribal monster. You know what I mean? I, I think, I get, yeah. I, think he, I think that that, that I, I didn't even think of that at all really when I was doing research. I kind of just was thinking about it right now. But I guess it, it, it really is a crazy way to look at, how, again, how culture has looked at monsters throughout time and how the atomic bomb was such a crazy point obviously in all of human history. But it really does feel like it, it changed it gave, I think it did give everybody monster fever. Yeah. Even just through a domino effect. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm going to pivot again to yeah. something you said a way, a, a while back. Okay. But you were, when, when you were, when you were talking about, um, people from the city being less likely to believe in Bigfoot, um, than people who live in rural areas. I have, uh, I have rose colored glasses about that concept too. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to posit something where it's just, I'm I'm a sit I'm a city boy. I I was born and raised in a city, and yeah. like I ha- I have a cabin and stuff. But I I wonder like, and this is not me making a statement. This is me making a wonder. Um, but I wonder if pe- if people who live in rural areas, um, predilection to believing in these sorts of things, comes more from, I don't know. Like, I wonder if it comes from them having seen stuff they can't explain more frequently. Um, and that's that's my rose colored glasses on it because I yeah. think that that would, be, that would be cooler to imagine that like people uh, people who live in rural areas see stuff, um, and I think that also might be me, you know, yeah, uh, t- tokenizing rural people <laughs> as 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 an idea of of a mystical folk who have a connection with nature that I don't get to access very often, uh-huh. um, or if it's just access to less information in general which maybe isn't true in the digital age but um definitely yeah i like to believe that people who live in rural areas have more frequent encounters with things that don't really make sense Mm -hmm. um because that 
that makes the that colors the world a little bit more for me. Yeah. But I, I I don't know, and so I'm I'm pondering that out loud. Yeah, I think I have I have a third explanation that I I choose to believe, which is I I do think those are the two. Like I think there's a guy who you you who thinks about this and pushes his classic glasses up his nose and adjusts his pocket protector. And he's like, well, actually like in rural areas, they probably have less access to good education and they probably don't talk to as many other people. So they probably are a little weird and they blah, 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 blah. And that, and I think that's stupid. Um, and I I think think, that gets, gets a wedgie. I don't think you can like, I I don't think you can, um, I don't think people who live in rural areas have a less colorful world than people who live in a city. Like, I, you know, and I also, yeah, I think there's also that maybe that things just are happening in the woods and that's why people see it more in the woods. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm not so opposed to that, but I think what I like to believe is I do as somewhere, somewhere in between that, where I do think that just, just being in the woods, I think is an altered state of consciousness, um, just because sure. of what it does to the human brain. So maybe I think that people may be seeing, I think I would imagine that if there's stuff, weird shit going on, it's probably going on in the woods versus the city. But I also mm-hmm. think that just being, being out in the woods or being in the mountains or something, you just feel differently. There's just a different thing well, going I, on in your brain I and will your soul. S- I have a fourth idea that is both yes. of our ideas combined. And I wonder if, the idea that more stuff happens in the woods that's unexplained and also being in an altered state of mind just being in the woods, which I completely agree with. And I think anyone who enjoys being out in, out in nature can agree with that being a thing. I wonder if they're related. You know, I wonder if that is kind of a, a spiritual hub. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing that is so embedded in, in what we are as people as, as this dangerous beautiful place that's filled with resources and peril that it drums up kind of some you know something in you that that can make those things real you know not real in a tangible sense necessarily but like uh, um i don't know i i feel like there there's yeah i guess not to go too too annoying but like what is real if it's not what you experience that's kind of what i'm getting at and i know that is annoying but it's also true and kind of the basis of of a lot of this podcast so it's yeah. like um i don't know I, th- I think that's an interesting thought total yeah i i i completely uh agree with you there i think that there is just i think there's some magic in out in the world out in nature. especially especially in the woods yeah um so this is this is gonna be a bad segue but speaking of the woods let's talk about what bigfoot does in the woods <laughs> Can you hit the bruh button real quick? Uh, yeah, let me find it. Bruh. Okay. Thank you. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess something that I want to talk a little bit about Bigfoot behavior. Like what, it not necessarily in some of these specific sightings, but just what in general is commonly accepted as Bigfoot activity or what do Bigfoot do? Um, and one thing is that they people a lot of the time say that they throw rocks and throw stuff, mm-hmm. which is funny to me. Um, people also, another big classic Bigfoot thing is that is wood knocking where they knock on trees. Um, and that people who believe in wood knocking, uh, claim that Bigfoots do wood knocking to, uh, or Bigfoot, sorry, the the plural is Bigfoot. Uh, it's a warning from Bigfoot not to come any further. It's like a, it's a leave now. And that would certainly be a creepy sound to hear. Um, it's just like Mm -hmm. knocking on trees. I think that's pretty scary. People, yeah, some totally. people believe that Bigfoot build stuff, um, build little structures like a, and stuff. Like a building or a house. Yeah, like a factory, <laughs> for example. <laughs> um, 
But one of the more interesting ones that I think this is completely, this to me is this is where the line of like of crackpot crazy people starts. People believe that they swap gifts with Bigfoot. Have you seen any of this? No. They believe that they go into the woods. You should look up some YouTube or TikTok videos on this because it's all clearly crazy people or people who really want attention. They believe that there are special gifting stumps or like gifting rocks where they're like locations where they leave gifts for Bigfoot and then they leave and come back and Bigfoot has taken their gifts and left stuff in return and they're, they think they're trading with Bigfoot. Um, That's incredibly complete, European. Yeah. Very, That's a very Euro- folk, folk, folkloric uh, European yeah. lens on Bigfoot. It's also He's not like, a gnome. It's like Dark Souls. Yeah, it's like a video yeah. game trailing, tra- uh, trading thing. Um, but yeah, they, they say that Bigfoot, they'll give Bigfoot random stuff and Bigfoot will give back bones, stick crafts, pretty rocks, mice wrapped in grass, berries, etc. Um, cool. Very weird. Uh, and I'm not, I don't really like that, that, that piece of lore, but people, people say that that happens. Um, now here's also, the thing that, uh, oh, yeah. Another yeah. thing he does is he, he walks or Bigfoot walks around. Yep. And 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 hangs out in streams sometimes and washes his feet and uh, does like kind of general lumbering. Yeah, hundred percent. And the other thing that I wanted to talk about in in Sasquatch behavior that I I have prepared for us um, is that one of the main Bigfoot things is that they vocalize, um, they howl and hoot and scream and and sometimes make, whistle. Yeah, make all different types of noise. Um, and I have one, one sample of Bigfoot sounds, uh, this is from the seventies, two guys named Al Berry and Ron Moorhead went into the woods in the Sierra Nevada mountains. They recorded these sounds from a supposed Bigfoot in the area. And these are called the Sierra sounds. Um, so I'm going to play these and we can, I mean, just let me know if you want to pause it and say anything, uh, or you can just talk over it, but this is just imagine you're hiking in the woods and you are hearing at night and you hear these sounds. Okay. Rain for night, Bill. That's wood knocking there. Yeah. be scared if i was hearing i'd be so fucking scared especially the wood knocking is so loud and so aggressive sounding is he knocking wood on wood it sounds like yeah probably wood on wood or rocks on wood or something that was the guy trying to interact with it He thinks this is a game. Yeah. All right. I mean, I think that's probably probably enough. I think that 
to me, some of the, the scariest parts of those sounds is how, I mean, obviously this is also part of the reason that they're not as interesting maybe, but they sound like they could be human. They sound very close to a human. They do sound close to a human, but honestly it sounded like, it sounded like an ape, yeah. you know, which I guess humans also are. So we're pretty well suited to make ape noises, yeah. but some of them I, felt more human than ape, but I, the first few definitely are very ape-like. But like, if I heard ape noises like that in the forest, and then they started to become a little more human, I would be so fucking scared. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't like that at all. Uh, that that also in combin like the hoots in combination with the wood knocking is that's a, that's a horrible song. Yeah, you know, like terrifying. I would I would I would be shitting myself. Yeah, very very fucking scary. People also say that claim that um, some people, when they encounter Bigfoot or they hear Bigfoot howls, that sometimes they feel disoriented or dizzy or nauseous or anxious. Um, and again, this is another annoying uh, uh, cryptozoologist brain moment. But this guy, Nick Redfern, proposed that maybe some of big, the noises that Bigfoot makes are infrasound, meaning below the normal range of human hearing which could mm-hmm. explain feeling uncomfortable. But I think I also think, uh, maybe I think, uh, it might feel explain feeling uncomfortable that you've seen a, a forest demon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, honestly, I, I, anxious. I feel like existing is trippy enough that if you're in the forest at night and you hear a horrible noise, you're prone to feeling chilled enough to, to feel dizzy or whatever. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm prone to getting scared, but I feel like if I heard those noises, I... I would just, I'd fall over, you know, I'd yeah. get so disoriented and dizzy. Totally. Um, um yeah. on, on a very, this is not completely Bigfoot related, but have you heard what mountain lion cries sound like? They're like, they're like scree- shrieks, right? They're like, yeah, equally, equally horrifying to be honest. And also knowing that it's a mountain lion doesn't actually make it less scary. But if you didn't yeah. know that it was a mountain lion, it's still very scary. Yeah. They are. They make crazy noises. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess unless you have the, the we have one big topic left, I think, to, to segue into which which is the possible explanations that people have proposed for Bigfoot unless you have anything well, else you wanted to go into first well I actually I don't have anything prepared on it but should we brush on skunk apes yeah skunk apes are Florida Bigfoot and they smell hella bad yep all right skunk apes <laughs> skunk, skunk apes are done yeah all right um, um yeah so, no I don't so have anything else there's a there's a ton of different possible explanations that people have proposed um for bigfoot and a lot of these are very interesting and a lot of them are not so interesting uh but the first the first one is the obvious one which is just uh misidentification people saw something else and they thought it was bigfoot so they saw maybe they saw a bear which stand on their hind legs and are big and hairy maybe they saw it through the foliage they thought it was a bigfoot that's understandable um could have happened some people also uh, think that maybe people have seen an escaped ape, maybe an ape or a gorilla escape from a zoo. Someone saw it. They thought it was Bigfoot. This was, uh, this is related to skunk. People think this about could be skunk ape. They think that may, because Florida is so humid and subtropical that, you know, apes could potentially live there. If the, an ape was mm-hmm. to escape, it could, it could survive for a while. Maybe an and ape then escape. Another obvious misidentification is humans. Maybe you just saw a big hairy guy, or a guy mm-hmm. whose religion says that he needs to dress up like Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the other obvious explanation is that there it's a hoax. You've seen somebody tricking you. 
then that's also mm-hmm. not so interesting, but pretty obvious. Another obvious explanation that is more interesting, but I think very silly, is just you've discovered the missing link. Yeah. Or that Bigfoot is just real. <laughs> yeah, you're the first guy to actually see him. Yeah, or actually not the first guy, but you're one of you're many. You're the first guy to get a good picture and prove it. it's real. Yeah. That Bigfoot, yeah, Bigfoot is actually real is another explanation. Yeah. Uh, there's also Bigfoot is a ghost. Uh huh. So this was yeah. This was the one. I, this is the one that I want. I want to. I, I well. I'm gonna actually gonna wait. I'm gonna wait to pitch my explanation until we get through some of the more annoying ones. Because my my. I want to pitch an annoying one. Okay. Um, are, are you gonna do the Mormon one? Yeah, we'll do the Mormon one. And the first. I will, first. I want to do uh, Gigantopithecus. Um, okay. People. Some people believe that perhaps Bigfoot is uh, part of a relictual population which a relict is a a group of organisms that that used to be a lot more widespread and now are just leftovers so for example like a ginkgo tree um is a tree that was very common a long time ago but now there's not so much of it so maybe somehow gigantopithecus uh which is a genus i think of ape um specifically gigantopithecus blacky was a species of very large ape um that lived roughly from 2 million years ago to about 350 to 300,000 years ago. So somehow it's, they think it went extinct 300,000 years ago, but actually maybe it didn't. And it's living in America. Um, and they're, but, they're kind of like, uh, they're orangutan type. Yeah. So Gigantopithecus, they've only ever found teeth and jaws, um, of Gigantopithecus never found full fossils. So the sizes and weight estimates are very speculative, but based on the teeth and jaws, they probably were anywhere from nine to 12 feet in height which is pretty crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. And oh, here's a quote from Wikipedia that I wrote down about them only finding teeth and jaws. It says only teeth and four mandibles are known currently and other skeletal elements were likely consumed by porcupines before they could fossilize. (laughs) What the fuck? Okay. Well, cool. Very weird. Um, People, they used to gigantopithecus used to be hypothesized to be a human ancestor. Um, they used to think that humans used to be giant before they evolved down to humans, but this was disproven. And Gigantopithecus was uh, likely, like you said, more closely related to orangutans than to humans. Um, and it probably would not have been able to walk on two legs. It probably would have been quadrupedal because of how big and heavy it was. More like an and orangutan probably than a hominid. Just, just if, if, if it is orangutan related, I kind of would find it hard to believe that it would be in North America too. Yeah. So yeah, Gigantopithecus was found in southern China, Thailand, Vietnam, Indonesia. Um, so the idea that the idea there that people who believe it's Bigfoot believe that it may be crossed the Bering Land Bridge when humans did, which was about, I believe, 10,000 to 13,000 years ago, um, which Gigantopithecus, again, went extinct 300,000 years ago. So I guess if it has survived these 300,000 years, I guess it's possible it could have crossed the land bridge with the other ancient American ancestors or the ancient human ancestors to become to live in America. Uh, but come on, it's not it's. <laughs> There's not it's, a 12 foot fucking prehistoric ape. Um, you but that would be, I will say that would be cool. It would be goaded, but you have cryptozoology brain. Um, yeah. But yeah, so again, also it could be Gigantopithecus. It could be a different extinct hominid. It could be like a Neanderthal or the missing link, like you said. Could also people, some people say it could be a ground sloth, like a megatherium. That's also stupid, I think. Any, anything where it's a prehistoric animal that's lived is very cool, and, but I don't think it's true unless it's at the very bottom of the ocean. <laughs> I agree with that. Um, um, 
Also, a lot of art, art, artistic depictions of Gigantopithecus are awesome because they just decide to make it jacked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I mean, I'm sure it would be, Gigantopithecus was very, very strong, but the idea that it's also just shredded is very funny. It is very awesome. Gigantopithecus is so fucking cool. I'm yeah. glad that it's real. Yeah. Um, another theory is Nephilim, which were giants from the Bible, uh, which were supposedly some kind of half-breed between possibly fallen angels and human women. Um, but, yeah, you know, I don't know. What, Probably, um, most likely not. Yeah. But that I think that if that were true, if the Bigfoot was a Nephilim, I think that the more interesting part of that wouldn't be bigfoot as a nephilim it would be the bible is real <laughs> yeah that would have huge that implications would be the bigger revelation it would, it would be very funny if the if the the bible was proved real because yeah. because of, because of bigfoot bigfoot yeah. just says my mommy was a mommy and my daddy was an angel yeah uh, in, um yeah another another minor one is tulpa maybe bigfoot is real because so many people want him to be real that they have yeah. manifested him into the world. Um, I believe that in the sense that people imagine him. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree there. Uh, yeah. Then we could, you want to do Mormon Cain? <laughs> yeah. I don't know much about Mormon Cain, but I, I, I know that that's a thing and I think that's hilarious. Yeah. So Cain and Mormonism. Uh, so here, let me read. This is an encounter with Cain that, uh, an apostle of the Mormon church, David W. Patton had in 1835. Um, uh, I met with a very remarkable personage who had represented himself as being Cain, who had murdered his brother, Abel. I suddenly noticed, uh, I suddenly noticed a very strange personage walking beside me for about two miles. His head was about even with my shoulders. As I sat in my saddle, he wore no clothing, but was covered with hair. His skin was very dark. He said that he had no home, that he was a wanderer in the earth. He said that he was a very miserable creature, that he had earnestly sought death, but that he could not die, and that his mission was to destroy the souls of men. So Cain in Mormonism um, is different from Cain in uh, Christianity, where Cain in Mormonism was seen as evil, as opposed to maybe a guy who fucked up and sinned. He was seen as an ally of the devil, and that it was his plan all along to kill his brother. Um, Mm -hmm. And so this this idea of Cain being a big guy covered in hair who was cursed to wander the earth forever and try and destroy the Mormon church um, was an idea that was pretty prevalent in Mormon uh, mythology. In, in Mormon mythology, was he punished into being a monkey man or was he just like yeah. that? So, he, so this was pretty common ever since this story uh, in 1835. So basically in the Bible, um, it says that when Cain killed Abel, he was punished by God with the mark of Cain. And the Bible never, uh, the Bible never explains what that mark is or really uh, expounds on it at all. But the way that Mormons interpreted this is that the mark of Cain, the curse of Cain, and now here's where this is the the idea of Cain. Cain is not is not Bigfoot. People say Cain is Bigfoot, but the real thing is that uh, Mormons believe that that sightings of Bigfoot could be explained as sightings of Cain. Um, because this idea of Cain being a hairy guy predates again, the idea of Bigfoot outside of like native American, uh, mythology, the idea of anything tying these, all these phenomenons together as Bigfoot anyway. Um, but so the curse of Cain, and this is, this is where it gets a little, uh, not so great. The curse of Cain and Mormonism is dark skin. Um, 
So Mormons uh, believe and believe, or they, I think they don't officially believe this anymore. And as the, the church, this is not church doctrine anymore, anymore as a, as since like fucking 2010 or something very recent sure. that, uh, God cursed Cain by giving him dark skin and that every African person is a descendant of Cain and their skin is dark and they are black because they are punished by God, um, for Cain being evil and that they are descended from an evil man who is an ally with the devil. um, Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, said that the mark of Cain was dark skin. Brigham Young, who I'm sure that you recognize that name, quote, what is the mark of Cain? You will see it on the countenance of every African you ever did see. Um, so Mormons believed in the curse of Cain. They also believed in the curse of Ham. Ham was Noah's son, and they believed that God, I forget why they, God cursed him, but God cursed his descendants to like uh, basically, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember the details of this one as much. But basically, they believe that uh, black people were enslaved because of a curse from God, also, and that they were. So Mormonism has, has has had a very bad relationship with race for a very long time. And unfortunately, when you dig a little deeper into the Bigfoot is Cain stuff, like I did, it gets a little less fun and a little more. Oh, a lot of these sightings of Cain, quote unquote, in that of some of a uh, big man a big dark-skinned man trying to destroy the church is actually that maybe a mormon saw a black person um Shit. and said that it was an ape man which is well, not so great uh it's very good that they changed all of that um in 2010 yeah, they changed it in, uh, actually i so here i actually i did write it down in 1978 apostle bruce r mcconkey mcconkey <laughs> taught that the curse McConkey. of cain taught that the curse of cain was no longer in effect Oh, it was no longer in effect in 1978. And then in 2013, church leaders for the first time ever disavowed that black skin was the sign of a curse in 2013. So good on you, Mormons. You really figured it out in 2013. That is fucking insane. That that, also that's crazy that people like a woman seeing someone who looks like Shaq just like being like, oh, pretty fucking crazy. The, and that's, that's that's no good. The 1835 encounter with Cain that I read at the beginning, this was like this was the first encounter with Cain. This was, I think, the the where the idea of Cain still wandering the earth came from. That he he was like kind of an eternal wanderer. And this was while it sounds like just a a, a kind of weird story, it was taught as fact. Um, it was believed as fact by a lot of Mormons. Not everybody, but a lot of people did fully just believe um, that Cain was a big hairy guy that was walking the earth. Um, like even in like the eighties. So like, is this theory that, that, uh, sightings of Bigfoot are Cain? Is this, this is pretty much just Mormons who might believe this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a Mormon cool. thing. Um, okay, and, yeah, other than the really, unfor- the, un- it, the unfortunate racial stuff is really bad, but the idea that a big hairy guy is cursed with immortality and just walking the earth and every once in a while we see him and freak out is very cool. Yeah. That's why I was so disappointed to learn all this not so great other stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it is a very cool idea on its face. But yeah, unfortunately, Mormons are just crazy and fucked up and not great. <laughs> so, yeah. That, yeah. That's shitty. Um, but then the other one, the other big Bigfoot uh, thing is, and this is this is where I'm going to get annoyed and upset uh, with, and I'm really going to. I want to. I'm going to issue a warning to all cryptozoologists, which is yeah, clean turn up it your off act. now. Clean up your act, p- buddies. Um, that perhaps Bigfoot is some kind of trans-dimensional being, 
And so oh, yeah. I tried to go ahead and do some research on this. And I was so fucking annoyed by this shit, man. This is what I wrote in my notes. I wrote, I guess that the bottom line here is that people think Bigfoot might be from another dimension because that would explain why we can't find him. Yeah. And also in that one, I read um, in a sim- on a similar vein, someone said that if he's from another dimension, he might have like EMPs. Yeah. Have the ability to like they just they basically do they just give him any power that suits the ability to not be seen yeah. that he that he can turn invisible that's right. another one I yeah maybe maybe the reason that maybe we just can't find him because whenever we get close to him he goes into a portal that I guess yeah. that's probably it that's probably what that's the only explanation for why we can't find him he must be also, he must that, travel in UFOs and go into portals another thing that I hate about that is that that sucks away all of the charm of what bigfoot represents yeah it's so fucking i wrote it's it's completely it's rugrats purgatory brain like it's Uh completely it's so fucking bereft of anything interesting here are two quotes i wrote down that pissed me off this first one is from ronnie leblanc who is a historian (laughs) who wrote wrote, ronnie leblanc historian and bigfoot hunter from lemonster mass which is so funny to to include like you know people would take you seriously if you just said historian right (laughs) you put bigfoot under there you're completely fucking yourself over not that anyone would think you had an iq over 70 after i read this quote but uh here's the quote So there's a belief that Bigfoot could be alien or interdimensional, and it sounds crazy like something in science fiction, but when you think about it, we have this preconceived notion that an alien has to be gray or green. People have seen Bigfoot holding an orb. They look like a basketball with plasma swirling around, and they're silent. I've just seen them hovering over the sky and just blink out and disappear. There are a lot of different theories about Bigfoot, but the reality is something is happening. (laughs) Dude, I'm going to sneak up behind that guy with a brick. <laughs> we have this preconceived notion that an alien has to be gray or green. People have seen Bigfoot holding an orb. This guy dreams in cartoon. Fucking moron. Here's another yeah. quote from a person who believes that maybe Bigfoot could be from another dimension. Another commonality in Bigfoot sightings is a sudden, weird, unnatural silence in the forest. Maybe it's not that all the creatures who live there are quieting down because there's a scary Bigfoot. Perhaps you've somehow entered another dimension, and that version of the forest is silent. Could it be silent because in this dimension, you're the predator that they're scared of? Maybe they're happy there with their Bigfoot. No big deal. So maybe the explanation yeah. for Bigfoot and for us not being able to find scientific proof of Bigfoot is that sometimes when you're walking in the forest, you travel into ev- and an everything everywhere all at once type dimension where Bigfoot is a human and you're a Bigfoot. <laughs> and that's okay, why you to, see him. Okay, that one is, is very dumb, but I, I have to give a gold star for creativity. I, that, that's too, fun. Yeah, too creative. Too much um, creativity. Also, there, okay, there's a slant that you can take on the interdimensional thing that I actually bu- I can bite a little bit, where the idea that Bigfoot, Bigfoot is some kind of, you know, Freudian or, or Jungian um, trope of the wild man that's that's spiritually intertwined with people's ideas of nature, and mm-hmm. that, that you're prone to seeing Bigfoot when you're out in the woods. Yeah. You know, you can you can make the case that that's interdimensional if you if you want to. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I can buy that a little bit more. I mean, not that he's really even there, but that there's something, an innate spiritual understanding of the woods that, that draws upon the image of the wild man. Yeah. And, but 
and I, I think it's I, yeah. hilarious that to me that doesn't sound ridiculous, and the thing that we just <laughs> said does. But to me, that tracks. I mean, yeah, I guess I can. Uh, the part I, I can I can buy about an interdimensional Bigfoot. Well, I can't buy an interdimensional Bigfoot at all, but. I, I can imagine I can buy the Bigfoot as like a species of alien or something, right? That there's some kind of Wookiee thing that's coming and walking around on Earth sometimes. That's that's at least that's a little more down to earth of a crazy person idea. But like the idea that like Bigfoot is opening portals and like he's from oh he's from the fifth dimension is something. It's like you are a fourth grader. Like oh he's what Rick if, and Morty what if, what if dinosaurs had a city but it was made of paper so we don't have we can't find any records of it in the fossil record like shut the fuck up what are you talking about you're Calvin the, from Calvin and Hobbes you're a baby what are you they're, saying <laughs> they're using their imagine they're, they're abusing their imagination completely like man if you're gonna do that shit like draw it in your notebook don't don't fucking write a book and call yourself a historian or preface it with. This is just my imagination, but yeah. like at least be, at least have the guts to be an actual crazy person. At least say <laughs> yeah, that Bigfoot is fo- like stalking you and wants to kill you, or that you see Bigfoot in your <laughs> dreams or something. Like who fucking care? Like I actually think that Bigfoot might pilot a flying saucer. They're like you're literally you're nothing. It's you're. Oh, it annoys me so much. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. Like how do you how do you go down that path in life that you're crazy enough to like devote your life to hunting bu- Bigfoot and writing a book? But the most interesting idea you can come up with is like a, a, that Bigfoot can walk can walk through a Stargate. Like yeah. that, like they have a Rick and Morty portal gun. Like what is going on there? Uh, I I think I think um, instead of historian, they should have just written like Imagineer. Yeah, or you know, yeah. <laughs> crayon expert. <laughs> yeah or like at least if you're gonna do that you also have to say that he's working for the cia and hunting you yeah man say you what I, you have if you sure you can say that bigfoot can travel through portals but you know what you should say you should say that he can travel through mirrors or like through yeah. people's mouths or something do something cool i don't give a yeah. fuck about a portal shut up <laughs> another reason that maybe we don't see bigfoot is that he's also a guy that he and he changes disguises to be a normal guy and right. he walks among us wearing a normal baseball cap and his name but then is he takes it up <laughs> Yeah, his name's Clark Kent. He takes it off. Actually, based on based on cultural implications, I think that the legends of Bigfoot and Superman could be one and the same. You actually never see Spider-Man without his mask. <laughs> you actually never see Spider-Man and Superman in the same room. So because they both are guys who have powers, I think they might be part of the same phenomenon. Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Um, yeah, no, I guess, you know, some people have bad ideas. Yeah. So here's my bad idea. What if Bigfoot is the is a ghost, the ghost of a caveman? Oh, that okay. That's a fire big idea. Bad he, idea, though. You know, like and he and he was killed, and he had unfinished business, which was to walk around because that's all cavemen did back then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they also did stuff like hitting stones yep, on hitting, wood, exactly, <laughs> and, <laughs> and hooting and washing their feet in the river. He was murdered. He was murdered in <laughs> in the throes of passion. His 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 uh caveman wife's secret lover murdered him. And he was said, "I'll get revenge. I have unfinished business." And his unfinished business was to, he had to hoot and holler a hundred million times, and he's almost there. I mean, another another idea that's similar is it's an it's a it's a prophetic Neanderthal that that saw visions of of what what was to come, and his unfinished business was yet to come, and he's now appearing to to grumble about the Kardashians. 
yeah. and hipsters ruining yeah. <laughs> ruining everything. <laughs> and and so he's yeah. No, I like the idea that he's a ghost of a Neanderthal. That's fun. Yeah. I, I think my my idea is is one that isn't really my idea. It seems like it's just an, an idea that people have of Bigfoot. But I like the idea that he's just a Lorax. That he's yeah. just a. Uh, uh, <laughs> he is literally the Lord. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, I, know I, I, mean, I, I like. The- I can imagine there might be one guy who believes that. that like, <laughs> this book tells you everything. They just this have is the they, key to Bigfoot. They have a copy of that book, and it just is like covered in schizophrenic yeah. doodles, <laughs> M- math equations all oh over it. Oh my god! Um, but um, I don't know. I think if if I. I, the way that I am prone to believing in Bigfoot is the one that I've outlined a few a few times where I just think that maybe being in the woods draws upon some kind of imagery that's innate in people. And, yeah. and there's some kind of connection with the woods that people mildly hallucinate a, a wild man. Yeah. Um, and I guess the way to segue these the annoying theories into the final remarks is like, I guess what I guess the way that somebody comes up with. Um, a Mars attacks flying saucer coming and beaming down a Bigfoot that then cannonballs into a Rick and Morty portal is that people want that <laughs> stuff to be real. People want Bigfoot to be real, obviously, but people also want their TV shows they watch to be real. And that is the sickness of the human brain in the media age is that now instead of P- now TV is start and movies and, and the world is starting to infiltrate our imaginations of what we even want to be real. You know what I mean? <laughs> they want um, Bigfoot to have depression and alcoholism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here's a quote from Jane Goodall that I really like, um, which uh, well, this, yeah, this is a nice one, two punch of episodes doing chimps after this will be fun. Um, now that we have laid some groundwork here, but here's a, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jane Goodall was asked about Bigfoot in 2002 and here are a few things she said. She said, well now you will be well now you will be amazed when I tell you that I'm sure they exist. Well, I'm a romantic, so I always wanted them to exist. You know, why isn't there a body? I can't answer that, and maybe they don't exist, but I want them to. And then in twenty twelve when she was asked again about Bigfoot, she said, I'm fascinated and would actually love them to exist. Of course, it's strange that there has never been a single authentic hide or hair of the Bigfoot, but I've read all the accounts. And I think that really is the core idea of this is an idea of something that has persisted literally through all of human history. This is a, the idea of the wild man. It was real when we were mm-hmm. walking with Neanderthals um, yeah. when we coexisted and it has not been real for a very, very long time, but thousands and thousands of years passing and not a single iota of possible evidence ever even close to appearing for this scientifically but you still want it to be real and you still hope it will be because that's what's that's what's fun about living in the world yeah i mean it's still real in many many people's hearts exactly even people who draw with crayons and make macaroni (laughs) art of (laughs) yeah do you have any closing thoughts no i think you summed it up well and I, i think that this is a beautiful segue into our next episode which i am wildly excited for (laughs) um and also jane jane goodall's a goat um and i plan on actually if if you're listening to this which which i i'm assuming you are (laughs) um (laughs) uh 
I intend on at least one thing that I'm going to do to prepare for the Chimps episode, and I will do many things to prepare for the Chimps episode because I'm very excited about that. But one of them is I'm going to read In the Shadow of Man by Jane Goodall, and it's her first book, and um, apparently very good. It's about her interactions with, with the great apes, um, but it's only 60 pages long. Um, so, you know, not a huge time commitment to read book that club. if you also... Th- yeah, book book club it up. I'm reading that before before our next episode, and yep. I'm I wanted I actually wanted to read it and held off because I knew that I was going to be doing the chimps episode. But and very again, excited if, to read. Yeah, if anyone has any books, movies, just media or facts in general that they want us to make sure we know or we touch on in our chimps episode, which is coming next in this final uh, journey, go ahead and join the Discord, or if you're not already in there, and send it to the Monster Mail channel, and we'll we'll take mm-hmm. a look at it. Um, I uh, reading about chimps and chimp attacks and chimp everything is something that I could do for a million years in my spare time. So I'm very excited for this episode. I'm very excited too. Um, and yeah, I guess, uh, sorry that this, there was a delay on this one. We've both been kind of busy, but I'm thinking, I think we're hoping that the next few will be, will be getting going a little, uh, faster than these past two. So I I guess until next time, see you in hell. See you in hell. I was thinking about it today when I decided to drive out to our old home place, now run down and abandoned. Standing out in this field, it all comes rushing back, and an icy tingle starts down my spine when I recall that terrible, lonesome cry. It was so long ago that it seems incredible the creature is still out there, somewhere, right this minute, Maybe even watching me. Of course, you may not believe that or any of this story. You may think the whole thing is a hoax, and that's your privilege. But if you're ever driving down in our country along about sundown, keep an eye on the dark woods as you cross the Sulphur River bottoms, and you may catch a glimpse of a huge, hairy creature watching you from the shadows. Yes, he's still here. And you know, I'd almost like to hear that terrible cry again. Just to be reminded that there is still a bit of wilderness left. And there are still mysteries that remain unsolved. And strange, unexplained noises in the night. This is where the story plays A world on which we seldom gaze A page from the book of yesterdays Birds and beasts and wind and water Here beneath the bright blue sky No man smoke blinds the eagle's eye And things that crawl or swim or fly Feed and breed and live and die
Episodes remain.